It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today's guest is Ryan, Ryan Stevenson. I will uh, let Ryan tell the story on how we met. But uh, first off, I have to tell you about this little funny story that I ran into yesterday. So I'm in Utah. Crazy enough, our guest is in Utah. We're not very far away, maybe 60 miles. Yeah, yeah. Hour drive, maybe. Yeah, about an hour drive away from each other. I'm out here hunting, deer hunting with my dad. And we left his house on the west side of uh, Tooele. It was about six o'clock and we're driving and on this dirt road. And <laughs> all of a sudden we see all these cars. And my dad's like, are these all hunters? And I was like, I don't even know where I'm at. It's dark. I guess so. These are all hunters. And he's like, I can't believe there's this many people out here. So as we get closer, we notice the cars aren't moving and they're just parked on the side of the road. So we get closer and closer. Then I see the famous headlight bouncing. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think these are hunters, dad. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, what's going on? And uh, we get a little closer, see a guy running. Then I'm like, we're on the Pony Express trail. I wonder if the Pony Express 100 miles going on. Oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> sure as crap, the, the Pony Express 100 mile was going on yesterday. Oh. And we caught probably the last maybe 15 runners into the finish. So my dad got to see his first uh, ultra struggle of people shuffling at 90 miles. Nice. Love <laughs> it. Love it. It was kind of ironic. It's like, I I know that bounce and that death walk from the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a t- what timing on that one. Yeah. Then I actually I looked up the route and it's I thought they started from you know the west side of uh, the Pony Express. But then I looked at the route and they run down Pony Express to a wildlife refuge called uh, Fish Springs. Yeah, we duck hunt out there all the time. Do you? Yeah, it's a great spot. I mean, it's not a great spot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be giving away your secrets now. <laughs> right, right. But I think it's like 68, 68 miles or something from where they started. Then they run back to a a place called Simpson Springs. That's where the finish is. Yeah. Then the 50 milers start on the Pony Express at, I believe, it was Black Rock staging. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was just... I'm out here to go deer hunting and I can't leave ultra running. I mean, you got to keep a bib number in your car and put it on and then just fly by these people at the very end. Like, I'm feeling great. <laughs> yeah. I, I finally pulled over and asked someone because it's like, what mile are they at? And then one of the crew members is like, they're mile 91. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And for the Pony Express, there's no wait stations. Um, oh, there isn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's your crew drives in front of you the whole time. Okay. So, yeah, just... Uh, That's such an interesting concept of a race. Like, I see lots of races like that pop. I mean, Badwater's one of those. And then, you know, there's a there's a couple smaller races. There's one up here that's like that. I just... I'm very intrigued by that. It's weird. To, it's weird to me. Like, I don't know. 
bad water is what bad water is and i you know i i get it but the, at the same time it's like you're spending just as much money to run a race with aid stations and support and stuff like that and then you but you don't get any of that you know but you still spend the money that that's really weird to me i don't know yeah and you know what that'd be a tough one because your car is always right there yeah I think at the yeah. first of it, it would be like, all right, go up like seven or eight miles. And by the end of it, it's like, can you just go like half a mile? And then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll hop on the bumper. Yeah. Driving. Right. Well, some of the, the, the last of the finishers, their car was just in front of them. Like, I don't even think they were pushing on the gas. They were just idling. Oh, and, the, and the runner was just right behind them. I Those, was like, Oh, yelling at him, you have got to hurry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty rough road out there too. Um, like I've seen, I've seen guys out there driving all the time and in their flat tires, like you've always got to have one and sometimes two spare tires and it's, it hammers your feet and your knees when you're out there. So those guys that are finishing that one, man, kudos to those. Yeah. Those that's a wild ones, one. You know? I mean, that's what I was thinking too. Cause it, <clears throat> there is nothing out there and there's not much to see either. It's just a, road and miles and miles in front of you hmm. yeah from my house to to uh fish springs is 100 miles and about 80 80 of that is on dirt road and it's it's a long it's a long haul so that's <laughs> cool man yeah we drove yesterday out to that uh deep creek range and it was 100 miles each way of dirt road hmm. from from your dad's place yeah from my dad's place oh my gosh man did you go <laughs> Did you have to go down through Delta and back around, or did you go up and catch by Simpson Springs and then out there? Oh, I guess you would have done Simpson Springs. Yeah, we did Simpson Springs. We got on right at Dugway Proving Grounds. Yeah. Then just got on the Pony Express from there. Yeah. It's a little easier if you go down through Delta. You're only on the road, that dirt road for 20 miles. It's not as not quite as rough, but it's a long ways to go clear around um, just to avoid a little bit of a little bit of dirt road. So yeah. And if anything happens, I mean. We passed maybe, well, besides the people that were running, we probably passed only two other cars that whole 100 miles. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty pretty barren, desolate. Yeah, no cell phone service. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ryan, uh, why don't you tell the story of how you and I met? All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit because this story starts maybe three weeks earlier for me. And in fact, probably it starts even earlier just with events that kept me from going to certain places. So my wife, her folks live up in um, Moreland, Wyoming, and we're down here in Saratoga Springs, Utah. It's like 440 miles or something to their place. And her parents' basement flooded with um, a broken sprinkler line back in July. So all the neighbors came over and cleared everything out and they're getting ready to put a new floor in. And we went up there because I, you know, I do a lot of that just handyman garbage like dads and husbands do. Right. So I have all the tools up there and I told my wife, I said, look, while I'm there, I, I just want one day I'm going to run cloud peak. So cloud peak is what? 24 miles, Robbie, roughly yeah. 5,000, 5,700 vertical feet. Yeah, I just want to run this. Yeah. And I was, I've always been intrigued with cloud peak because, um, you know, her family talks about it. And I've been to Bomber Mountain, which is to the north of there um, a number of years ago. Not quite as high, but um, equally cool. And, and on Bomber, there was a B-17 that crashed back in 1945, killed 10 servicemen. That's a whole other story in and of itself. But 
Um, so bomber is really kind of cool. And, and you can see cloud peak from bomber. Um, and my brother-in-law is always like, ah, we got to go to, we got to go to cloud peak. Well, he didn't want to come this year with me. And so I said, right, look, I'm just going to run it. And um, <clears throat> I'm going to do it on this day. Well, it was a Monday and we were going to leave Tuesday. Well, and he was, so her brother was going to show up to help me lay this floor. That was, that was my big job is lay this floor. And <clears throat> he showed up, but he brought his mother-in-law and his wife and his kids. And the minute they got out of the car, clearly knew they weren't going to stay. And my trip was over. Like I was <laughs> not going to cloud peak. And I was pretty pissed. Like, um, you know, I was bent. And uh, so um, I knew we were going to be back up there in three weeks. We had some other things to do, some some more help around the house. Her parents can't do anything and um, of that nature. So went home, blew off some steam and came back there three weeks later. And I told Peggy, I said, look. Monday, or was it a Monday? Maybe it was a Saturday, whatever day it was. It was a Saturday. Saturday. Okay. So I told her Saturday, look, I'm going up cloud peak. I don't, I don't care where I'm at. I'm going. And so I busted, busted my butt to get everything done. And, uh, <clears throat> on Friday night, I, it was kind of weird. I, I just kind of felt uneasy about running up there for some reason. I don't know what it was, but, um, I felt a little bit uneasy and I wasn't even going to go. So, and I knew I had to get up at four o'clock to get to the trailhead. I want to be there by five 30 and um, hopefully beat some of the cars, which was not the case. Right. Um, it, this place was packed. Anyway, get up, throw my stuff in the, in the backpack kind of begrudgingly and take off. And it's an hour and a half drive to the trailhead from her parents' place. And there's two trailheads. So there's the West Tennessee Blake trailhead. And then there's uh, is battle park battle park trailhead you drive in about 15 miles on our dirt road it's a little shorter to the peak but it's steeper so i'm like ah i had planned on going to battle park but for some reason i just drove to west hensley blake thinking oh, it's, i'll just hit it from here and so at 5 30 in the morning i pull up i'm super tired and i decided like i'm not ready to go so I crawled back in the truck, threw a blanket on, uh, just thought I'd take a like 20, 30 minute power nap. And <clears throat> I woke up, it was 7.30, two hours later. Oh no. Like, this is horrible, right? It's all falling apart. And and uh, so anyway, I uh, I got ready to go. It's 40 degrees outside. I'm trying to decide what I wear because I hate being hot. So I take everything off, leave it in the car. I'm like, ah, once I get going, I'll be all right. And the only thing left in the car was my pair of shorts. And I, that was my biggest mistake because I got super hot later. Anyway, about what, about a mile up the trail, you come to this river crossing and the river is not terribly far, maybe 20 feet wide. It was only like mid shin deep, but I didn't want to start with wet feet. And uh, so I bounce up the, uh, the there was a, like an open meadow. And I realized like, oh, this is stupid. My shoes are getting wet and this, this grass covered with dew. So I pulled my shoes off, jumped across the lake or the river, stopped over, you know, put shoes and socks back on. And I'm coming up this meadow. And there was a guy that had crossed. Um, he just decided to go across. And I talked to him before we got there. And he was like from Nashville or I mean, I was from Nebraska and he was going to go up to Bomber. He's wearing a winter parka and everything. I'm like, oh whatever so he blitzed across and then here comes this guy running up the trail with his dog and like for some reason it just caught my attention like very distinguished like cat eye glasses 
flap rim hat. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I focused on the, the orange Hoka shoes. Right. <laughs> and we kind of like, Hey man, you know, as he flies by like this hurricane from the East, just like, boom, gone. <laughs> and, uh, um, I remember seeing him a couple of times as I, I came over a couple of trail, like a couple of knolls around a corner and then he was gone. That was it. Went up and did the peak. It was great. Um, if anybody hasn't done cloud peak, um, keep it a secret, but it's a fantastic place, right? Just, just amazing. The last three miles, would you say Bobby last three miles or Robbie, the last three miles of the thing is just boulder filled straight up. Yeah. Yeah. You and that's where about, you get all the gain too. Yeah, 3,000 or so, 3,500 vertical feet, right? Yeah. He gets to the top, and it was, God, it was spectacular. A um, little bit of clouds coming in, no big deal. So I turn around, blitz down, go home. That was the end of it. It was cloud peak. It was fantastic. And uh, three weeks, uh, no, four weeks later, it was a Saturday. And earlier, earlier, maybe a couple of weeks before, my buddy had called me and asked him to pace him the last 25 miles on the Wasatch 100. So again, one of those uh, 100 mile runs through the Wasatch mountains. And I don't remember the exact trail, but I was going to pick him up somewhere over in like big Cottonwood Canyon and, and running the last 25. He called me Thursday and said, listen, I'm out. I'm going to go to Hawaii to see my girlfriend. So now I'm trying. Yeah. I, I would go to Hawaii too. <laughs> right? Not, not even an option. <laughs> so uh so i'm like ah what do we do and then i was talking to peggy friday night at, i was at work as a fire station so i'm a paramedic and uh i'm in a pretty busy house we're usually up four or five times a night so sometimes when i'll come home and sleep well we slept all night it was just kind of cool and i talked to my son and said listen why don't we go do deseret peak um I, i've been wanting to get out there all all year and just everything kept getting in the way. I, it's almost kind of weird, like eerily weird how everything kind of kept getting in the way of me doing Desert Peak. So he said, look, dad, I got to be home like at three o'clock. He's one of these kids that um, take school pretty serious. Like he's in biology and chemistry and physics three or whatever he's in, you know, up at the U. And so I said, all right, no big deal. So I got home, we grabbed our gear, walk out of the truck. And he says hi to the neighbor across the street. I'm like, what are you doing, man? We got to go. And I didn't see her. So anyway, I turned around and just said hi. Well, she comes over and, and talks to us for like 45 minutes. And oddly enough, I never felt, um, never felt pressed to like leave. Like we got to go. Like um, we're on a time limit here. So anyway, wrap up the conversation. We're 45 minutes behind, drive up the road and uh, we make the the turn to go west to Desert Peak. And we get down the road three or four minutes, and I'm like, oh, Wes, I got to get something to eat. I'm starving. So back around, all the way to McDonald's, wait in the 20-minute drive-through, grab our <laughs> stuff. It, like, it's a Saturday morning at McDonald's. McDonald's it, is it, always long. It's, ne it's never know. quick. <laughs> no, it's not fast, right? It's just food. And so we, <laughs> we get our stuff and cruise out to Desert Peak. And he and I were sitting there. I'm like, all right, let's see what we can do this in. So Desert Peak, it's kind of like a lollipop trail. You go up main trail for a mile or so, and then you have a choice. You can go to the south or you can go to the east or to the north. And uh, we decided to run to the south and do the whole loop. I guess that would be clockwise. So we did, I like, I'm not super fast. Um, Wesley, on the other hand, is a rocket. And uh, 
we did it in fairly good time. I thought we did it in an hour, 40 minutes, um, 4.45 miles or so and almost what 4,000 vertical feet, um, right yeah. in there. It's fairly, fairly close. Right. So we, we blitzed up pretty quick. I felt like we were doing a great job and we got up there, um, you know, took a couple of pictures for some people. And, uh, Wesley said, you know, pack a sandwich down the guts. And then Wesley said, I'm going to sign the register before we leave. I'm like, ah, fair enough. So I stand up, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my vest on and I turn around and here's this guy standing like right there, like right in front of me. And I'm like, it instantly like hit me. I'm like, I know this guy. And it took me a second to make sure. But what I'd say to you, like, dude, I know you, like you climbed cloud. I asked you like, did you climb cloud peak? Like Wyoming, like what, four weeks, four or five weeks ago. And yeah. uh, you're like, yeah, dude, you were the guy in the blue pants coming across the field. <laughs> right. And yeah. like, you tell me the odds of that ever happening. And so instead of like cruising back, cause we had to get back to study. We, we were up there for like an hour and a half, just BSing, right? Yeah. Oh, it's just, just a <laughs> funny story. And, and so Robbie told me, and, and maybe you want to hit on this, but he had come out to pace his buddy on the Wasatch 100. And he, don't, he, uh, he bailed out at what, like mile 40 or something. Yeah. Mile 40. Yep. And, and, uh, it was just kind of like all the irony, just a fun story for me. So we, uh, we talked up there for a while and then we just kind of all ran together. And of course the hurricane picked up speed and took off and, um, beat us down by what, five minutes or so, and five, 10 minutes or so. And, and, yeah. uh, I mean, that was, that's the story, but like, it, it just like, I get, I've giggled about it for weeks. It's just kind of a funny <laughs> thing. You can't, you can't make this up. Right. And what are the odds? Like I ran into Robbie, like I, I looked at it on Google earth to just to get like a straight as the crow fly number of miles from cloud peak to desert peak, it's 388 miles. Right. And just to run into the same guy in two different States um uh yeah <laughs> total uh, it was what a, what a fun deal you know <laughs> that is pretty cool <laughs> yeah. yeah it was uh yeah because i was standing up there for a minute then you're like after you said that i was like because of course i just you know huff my way up that hill then i wasn't really paying attention because it's trying to catch my breath and when you said that to me i looked at you i was like oh man <laughs> i remembered instantly that you're the guy that we had a few words as uh I passed you on the, the cloud peak trail. Mr. Yeah. Trail. yeah. Like the trail nice. He's like, Hey man, where are you going? How's it going? You know? Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's so funny. And then I look down, you were in the same orange Hoka shoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so, that was, the yeah. Omafate's. Yeah. Dude, it was so cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, then I, I, I put my daughter on it and I'm like, do you got to find this guy in Strava? You know, and uh, so now I follow Robbie on Strava. We talked about a couple people that we followed, um, like the Duray brothers and and stuff. And and I just as yeah. it's cool conversation. It just like all the things in Utah that we know and the places and um, the mountains and and uh, you know and yeah, I, it, it was fun. It, what a cool deal for me, right? Um, and then Robbie it was for me too for like week. I was going to say, it was for me too, for weeks after that, I was like, what are the odds of meeting this guy 
on top of a peak that doesn't get climbed much in Utah. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets people on it, but it's out on the west side of Tooele and it's not on the Wasatch Front. So it doesn't get climbed, you know, by thousands of people all through the week and the weekends. It's it's a little known secret, but we gave it out. But good luck trying to get up there and finding it and running it because yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful peak. It, um, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but it had a little bit of everything. Like the pines and the meadows were phenomenal. I can only imagine going up if we'd have been up there a month before with the wildflowers and stuff, how, how cool it would be. But um, I mean, we saw deer. We saw um, I'm trying to think what else we saw. We saw a few deer, but that was about it. But um, yeah, there was nobody on the trail and, and uh, it was just a steady climb. Nothing. I And I say, this is relative, right? Um, because you're like, you'll read all trail view, reviews where people say it's like incredibly hard and super rocky. And I mean, to me, it was wheelchair accessible, right? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's super hard and it took everything I had. And, and uh, I'm like, oh, this is just a normal climb out here in the Wasatch Mountains. Everything statistically out here is about the same. Might be a little bit longer, but it's a little bit, a little bit higher in elevation. And if you break it down, it's always about the same, what, 800 feet per, per mile or something. Some are a little bit steeper, some are a little bit less, but it was a great climb. Had, a, had some of everything. And, uh, yeah, out, we, out there, you know, then we, you know, we took off down together. Then, uh, you know, you're like, go ahead because i'll be a little slower than i'm so glad we, we went the direction we somehow we both went the same direction because <laughs> that way down was i did not want to go up that because i had that yeah. little couple of rollers that you had to climb out mm-hmm. on the way you know the way we went but it was just nasty and washed up on the way other side of the the saddle there on the way down and uh we passed Good. a couple that were I don't know what they were doing. They were struggling, but <laughs> so the fun way about one of those couples, there was a guy and I, I think it's probably his girlfriend. So we had run into them right where the trail split. And, and um, we had, um, we were talking to them and they said, Oh, people talk about the, the, the North side being way more picturesque than the South side. Like, well, but they talk about the South side or the North side being steeper. So I'm like, well, let's just go up this way and I can run down steep. That's, I just don't want to go up some of those. There were a couple of those climbs that were a little loose, like that dirt. Um, do you remember yeah. coming down that really tight area with the pines and jumping around the yeah. roofs and stuff? That would have been a bugger going up. I mean, it's doable, but it was easier coming down for sure. You know? And uh, yeah, I told Robbie to run ahead. So a couple of years ago, I tore a tendon in my ankle and uh, they had to... It, they had to attach it to another tendon and then to make, to create some stability in my foot, they cut my heel off the, the calcaneus. They just cut it off, what? moved it over and rebolted it in. I'm telling oh you, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't choose that option. But because of that, I've always been a little bit hesitant running down on really unstable stuff. Cause my foot still rolls quite a bit and, and uh, I can't afford another injury. That was a, that was a long five month recovery to get back to work and then a year to even feel better. But oh. so, but I moved pretty good for an old fat guy. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, and, and, and I love being out and and it's fun, you know, and, but yeah, that, that, that loose rock coming down that North side would have been a little uh, kind of a bugger to get up, but 
it's doable. Yeah. So I, I got down and waited for you guys to come back down at the trailhead because I wanted to talk to you some more. Um, yeah. Because I was still in like crazy awe of how we could just meet miles apart. Me living in South Dakota, you living in Utah, we pass each other in Wyoming, then we finally meet <laughs> on a I peak am, in the West I Desert. <laughs> in Utah. I was um, I was glad you stayed. Yeah, I was like, I was still like super pumped because like I said, the odds of that, that's super low. I mean, it's probably point zero 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 one, you know, forever. Um, yeah. But we were, we we're having the conversation at the trailhead. You know, I asked you if you wanted to come on the podcast, tell the story. And then we were talking about, you don't really run races and you got into uh, running it a little later in your life. Um, then you mentioned that what running does for your mental health. Do you want to yeah. go into that? Cause uh, I kind of stopped you and was like, oh, I just want to hear that on the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah, no. So um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you like straight up, like, so about four years ago um, I got into, I, I dumped all the Coke, I dumped all the chips, realized I needed to get healthy and, and I started running and then all of a sudden I tear my ankle. Right. And that kind of shut it down for, for a good year. And last year I started picking it back up. And then this year I hit it hard. Well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to back up even a little bit more. So I've been a paramedic in the fire service for 25 years and I've seen stuff that shouldn't be seen by, by, by people. I mean, just ungodly things, you know, I went just recently a last four months, like well, about four months ago in a, in a two week period, I saw four people shoot themselves in the head. On addition, two people hang themselves found by their kids. So that's just a, a, a taste of what I see on a regular basis. And it adds up. And uh, I almost took my own life about four years ago. And I realized like, um, like, so fire service and police officers in military have the highest suicide rates in the nation. And I realized that um, I didn't want to be a part of that statistic. So I found that um, getting outside was what was like, it was my place. Like it's where I could go to clear my head. And I would run and run and run. I, I never had a destination in, in mind. I would run until I got the dopamine hit that I needed. And then I would turn around. I would never turn around before because I was afraid I wouldn't get it. And now I've started to like come up, like run with a purpose. Um, like I'm going to go here and that's what I'm going to get out of it. And um, I don't, I don't do it to get kudos on Strava. I don't do it to um, brag about anybody. Like this is where I go and this is what I do. It's just where I go to like, to be clear in my head. And, and I don't need that portion of it as much anymore. Now I do it, just do it because I love being out there. And, uh, oh, sorry. So like mentally, I think getting out is, um, it's super healthy for anybody. And I, I I'm a proponent of anybody and, and everybody being outside. Unfortunately, then you have everybody on the trails, which kind of, um, it's what I like to get away from. And so, <laughs> Yeah. And so now um, I'll use a trail to get somewhere. And then I, I like to leave the trail. Um, that's somebody else's idea of what nature should look like. And I, then I'm like, I want to go there. So I go there and I want to go there. So I go there. And that's kind of my approach to it. Um, just go see things that, that haven't been seen and, and see what I want to see instead of um, just sticking to this piece. And, 
yeah, I use trails. Sometimes I'll, I'll run a loop, but, but like tomorrow I want to go run the whole ridge behind my house. Like it's 16, 17, 18 miles and I'll just pick my route um, and just do that kind of stuff. So it's become kind of fun. Um, my wife's been a super big support of it. Um, every day she'll ask me where I'm going, how long I'm going to be gone. Um, sometimes it's just a mile around the neighborhood, but if I, so let me back up just a second. Um, I decided at the beginning of the year, I had two goals. One of them, I wanted to run 2,886 miles, which is for the, like a straight line from the, the farthest West point of the West coast to the farthest point at point on the East coast in the contiguous U S I was in school the first semester. And so I'm not going to get there. Um, but instead of giving up, I thought, well, let me see if I can get this other goal. And my biggest one I do want to do is a million vertical feet in one day or one year, one, one calendar year. <laughs> I was going to say a day. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so stupid, right? um, Just turn your straw on and go hit a, go hit an airplane a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just catch a flight. You're there. And so I've calculated out. It's just under 2,800 vertical feet per mile or sorry, 2,800 vertical feet a day. And I've got a route out in the backyard that I know exactly where I need to be to get that every day. And then when I go to work, I'm at work for uh, 48 hours at a time. So there's two days I can't get it. So it ended up being like almost 5,000 vertical feet a day that I'm off. There's no way, like, there's no way I don't have the time for that. So um, I thought, well, maybe I'll do the Carmen line. So the Carmen line is kind of, the accepted um, point at where the Earth's atmosphere meets space is 62 miles, 327,000 vertical feet. I'm not going to get there, but I'm, uh, I'll am i have probably close to 200,000 vertical feet this year. It's nice. kind of my goal. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of fun. But what I decided then, regardless of goal, I was going to do something every day, um, minimum one mile. And I... And I chose a mile just as a marker because every time we talk to somebody and we ask them, hey, do you want to go? What do they say? How far is it? How many miles? Right. And we use one mile as seemingly so far for some people. But regardless of that, if I don't do it today, I'm, it's easier to miss tomorrow. So some of those are neighborhood miles just around the block just to do it. And, and it's hard, but it keeps me keeps me conditioned. And, uh, you know, now when somebody says, hey, do you want to go here? I don't care how far it is. I don't care how, how much elevation game we, we, we have. I just go. Um, and, and that's been the reward for me is being able to do that kind of stuff without worrying about distance or elevation time or fatigue. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my, been my approach. Yeah. When we were, we were talking, you know, you mentioned you didn't, you haven't, you don't run any races or anything like that. What, how did you get into the into the trail portion of running like did you were you running like just on the street first or did you just go right to the trails to get out there and get in nature so i just started i started right on the trails and um i'm not a runner my son's a runner he does a lot of cross-country stuff um and he's like dad you just need to go run you just need to go do it but i don't like being on the street so um right out of my door I can be to the base of the mountain in a third of a mile. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go do that. And so that's kind of how it all started for me. And I've just learned that I can be away from the city and the noise and all of the, the, the things that made me struggle. I can be there and be away from it. Um, 
there's a couple people that inspire me to to get out. So I'm probably a little older than you guys. <laughs> like I'm 51. And you know how it is like when you grow up back in the 70s and 80s, everybody talked about the buddy system. And and for a long time, I kind of let that play in my head. And then I realized that there's a ton of people that get out and go by themselves. And if they can do it, why can't I? So I started out carrying a big backpack with, oh my gosh, this first aid kit that would make a hospital jealous. right? <laughs> and, and so stupid. I'm like, I don't even need any of this crap, right? I carry um, a voodoo band, which is like seven feet of like rubber. It's like I can use it as a tourniquet. I can use it as a splint. I can wrap something's cut. That's all I need. And that's what the only first aid stuff I take. And um, anyway, so I started going out on my own carrying this big backpack full of crap. And then I realized I don't need it. So I started to trim down, trim down, trim down. I now I use the running vest and, and it gets me where I need to go. I have the bare essentials, but I mean, how hurt can you get here? I guess you get hurt, guys die, but there's always someone around. And um, anyway, so the mountains, the mountains draw me. I'm not a street guy. I still do the streets if I need to, but I prefer to be up there. Um, God, what else? Um, who else inspired me? Like they, I, I talk to these guys on occasion, Andy and Jason DeRay. They're both ER doctors. I run into them um, occasionally at the hospital and drop patients off. But those guys are big big names here in Utah and I'm not in their group. I would never claim to be in their group, but the stuff they do and just how cool they are, they inspire me like stop and talk to you on the trail and um, you know, Hey, keep going, just go do this. Like there's no reason to not do it. Um, another guy named Rob Boyden. He's my dentist. He's a big hundred mile racer. And uh, he's the guy that I was going to go out on the Wasatch with, but he's always out every day doing something. So when I see those guys doing it, they inspire me to get out in the hills and, and clear my head and, and see it all. And, and it's just become almost an addiction now, part of, part of a daily thing, you know? So, but yeah, that's what I like. The mountains, not the streets. <laughs> I'm really with you. Um, yeah. I kind of want to go back to where, you know, you're talking about four years ago, you, you know, you're thought about killing yourself. Yeah. Where were you at when that was all going on? And what do you think led up to that, to where you were willing to take your own life? Um, I So honest truth, like there were things that happened in just succession. Um, I saw three babies die of SIDS in a week, one week. Um, I, I had, we had responded on a plane wreck. Um, I was actually going to, a, a with my partner, he was driving one rig. I was in another, we were going to house fire, um, out in South Jordan. I work in a different city, but we were taking a unit out there because they needed it to fill some of the air bottles and we call it the coffee wagon. Right. So I was in the ambulance and he wasn't driving that this other rig. And all of a sudden I see the column of smoke just over to the side. I'm like, and I'm looking at our little computer screen and it just uh, like, like, line after line kept popping up say like from people calling in said plane crash plane crash plane crash all of these things i'm like you got to be kidding me so i cruise over there and and he went to the fire and i showed up and there was another ambulance that had just pulled up in front of me and my patient was um gal who was sitting outside when this plane crashed sprayed with with uh gas like av gas and just burned her like crazy 
And then, so I was dealing with her and then they gave me the pilot at the same time. And you have to kind of make that decision. Like, who am I going to help? Um, and who am I going to let go? And, um, nobody knew I was there. There was this wall of spectators in front of me. And so finally, after 15 minutes, I got some help, but that's a long time to be on your own with a couple of major trauma patients and they both died, but you carry this, um, feeling of guilt, regardless of what you can and can't do. There's a measure of guilt that you feel like God could have done something different. And then, um, right after that, we had a, a young boy who was crossing the street, um, six 30 in the morning. Um, he got hit by a car and I had to crack him like a do a surgical crack on him. And it's something you practice for. You never do. You, it, it, there's a way to go in through the throat and put a tube in there into there and to breathe for him. But it's pretty like it's an invasive procedure. And so all of these things just were compounding. And like you get this point where like your, your cup's full, you can't manage anymore. And so I decided of all places, I was going to go to this peak and just shoot myself like it, it was easy it, that was the place to go so i hiked this mountain of all like and and the irony is that that's where i go to find peace now and and, and clear my mind but that's where i was going to go to end it so i had made this climb and i had grabbed the wrong vest and i left my gun at home and i got up there and there's uh, maybe a 400 foot vertical wall off the back side and i was too much of a coward to jump and um, ironically, when I was getting there as well, there was this almost like a water slide chute. And as I was crossing over, it was about three feet wide, but another two or 300 feet down, one of the rocks blew out and I grabbed a rock on the other side. I was able to, to keep from falling. I'm like, oh my gosh, that could kill me. But that's what I came here to do. You know, so it was kind of weird. Um, but then I got up there and I didn't have the gun. So I sat there and just cried for a while and I'm like, well, okay, today's not the day. And, uh, so I made my way home and, and, um, the next day, um, the, our EAP, the employee assistance program had come to work to give us some training and the chief made everybody have a, a visit with this gal. And so I sat in there, we had to fill out this questionnaire. She just looked at it and said, tell me about this. I'm like, you know, started, started crying. I'm like, yeah, it speaks for itself. And she's like, well, you come see me. And I said, yeah, I'll come see you. And so I went in a couple of days later and that, that was what kind of saved me, kind of pulled me out of that position. Otherwise, you know, I don't know what would happen, but um, my wife had been begging me for four years to go, go get help. She could see it. Of course I can't, you know, um, but yeah, it, it was funny. The, the place that I was going to go to end it has been, has become the place that I go to, to, to be me. Right. I haven't gone back to that peak. I didn't care for it as much, but um, I'd go back there just to see it. Right. Um, so um, white pine, I don't know if you, uh, or no, I'm sorry, not yeah. white, white, white baldy, you know, white baldy. Okay, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was, that was the place, but, but so, yeah. Um, so where, where was the transition from, from that situation to, to running? Um, so when I, I had, I'd love the mountains before, but I wasn't running. I was just more hiking. And when I, when I talked with this therapist, she, one of her big things, so she did a, a thing called EMDR and I, I, I can't remember what it's called right off the top of my head. Um, 
it, it, she said, like, you've got to have a place that can be your safe place. And I had gone up um, Mount Superior and Monte Cristo um, just recently. And then Box Elder Peak a couple of weeks before that. Um, and so, and those were cool places, especially Box Elder for me. Nobody was there. It's just kind of a neat, I don't know, whatever reason it resonates with me, just like other places resonate with other people. Right. And she, I, I'm like, that's kind of my safe place. And she's like, all right, you need to go there. Like, not just mentally, but physically. And so I started going up and I'm like, ah, I wonder if I can do a little faster. Right. Um, and then I see like, and then I go back and look at Strava and some of these trail reports from guys. I'm like, oh, they're running. Like, oh, I wonder if I can do that, you know? And so it became almost a challenge to myself to see if I could do it. I'm never going to be as fast as Robbie. I'm never going to be as fast as Andy or Jason Duray and, and some of these other guys are in there or Rob Boyden. I'm never going to be that fast and that's okay. But just being able to make that transition from just the grind hike to, to running to where I, f I get that dope hit and I, I feel really good. I, th I think that's the transition. So when Ingrid, this therapist said, you got to go there. Then I started seeing what other people are doing. I'm like, ah, I bet I can do that. Right. And uh, you never realize, like for me, you never realize what you can do until you do it. You, um, I, I think we're all capable of becoming something bigger than we are for sure. You know, and the fastest I ever ran, I'll tell you this. Um, I didn't think I was capable of doing it. I was coming down off the mountain behind me <clears throat> when the lightning was lapping at my heels. And, um, <laughs> you know, I ran, I got down to a six minute mile coming down the mountain. I'd never run that fast ever, but then I realized I was capable of it. And um, by not running, and I don't have to run that fast, but I know I can. And by not doing something, then I'm just holding myself back. Yeah. That's how I feel. Right. <clears throat> And, uh, and with that mentality, then I push myself harder and harder to run faster and more, especially uphill. It's very hard for me the first couple of miles, but I'm just pushing myself to do it. And, and I know that training will facilitate that, but, but, uh, I know that I can do it. That that's the thing. It's just, it's a mental thing that we, we don't allow ourselves to get there. Did you so, find, you know, did you find some self-confidence in yourself, you know, by, pushing a little harder and all that did that help with your mental side a little, little bit yeah you know like um I, I don't think i've made that transition into the mental health side of it but i think being able to like if I, if i can do this physically i can do it mentally right um and i've always been a believer um <clears throat> i've always been a believer that if you get outside and do something outside like it's the biggest playground in the world and if you get out, like you can clear your head until I went through this, this stage where I couldn't, I couldn't get out of the chair. There was days where I get in the chair and my wife would be like, Ryan, can you, do you, do you want to do anything all day? Do you think you could just do one thing for me today? And I'm just like, I'm just waiting for bed, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just sitting here all day. And then by getting outside, that was one of those hurdles that helped me like get back into life. And, and, um, uh, um, let's see if I can try to wrap this back around to that question. I, um, yeah, I, I don't know how to directly tie it together, but definitely there was by doing one, you know, by, by getting out, I think I'm kind of sidetracked here, but by getting out kind of 
like one step in front of the other, right? Put your boots on and get going one step in front of the other. And, and it just kind of all wrapped it back around. And now like mental health wise, oh yeah, hands down. I feel great. Um, you know, I look forward to the day, I look forward to, to life. I love life, you know, and, and gosh, <laughs> you know, it, it's good, you know? Yeah, I could, uh, I think, you know, a lot of us, people that just go outside and adventure, we're looking to push ourselves, but it's where we go to church. It's where we go and leave everything behind and all that stuff. So, you, uh, go ahead. So, you, I was going to ask you, like, do you find, like, you find some sort of, like, solace in that? Is it just me? Or is it, 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 it like, do you run for similar reasons? You run for different reasons, like health reasons? Or um, just your place? For me, I mean, I've always been outside, kind of like, you know, when we were talking about the Boy Scouts and all that. Um, I always found peace in the mountains, uh, just being outside. Uh, as I got older, I went through, you know, some stuff, but I started running before I went through my divorce. Then after the divorce, I just kept running. Um, but then lately, well, it's, I guess it's not lately, last year I made a choice to become sober, uh, quit using drugs and alcohol, all that stuff. And I found running really, really helped that. Uh, I was just in this constant loop of the mundane of life, which you can probably attest to with, you know, going out and dealing with that stuff that you have to deal with for your job. Yeah. I was just done with that cycle. Uh, for the first little while after I got sober, I was still running, but I had no purpose. So I would get back to the car and I'd have anxiety attack instantly as soon as I got in the car because I'm back to real life. Everything I kind of left out on the trail, I'm back in the car and I have to deal with it right now. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, you have this window of freedom. Yeah. A window of release uh, or or solace or whatever. Yeah. Then uh, I was talking to someone they're like you should probably try to run with purpose it doesn't matter what that purpose is it could be something simple it doesn't have to be you know speed or any of that stuff it's like you know be thankful to, for the trees or thankful for your family or something you need to try to work out then when i kind of flipped that switch and started running more with a purpose instead of escaping uh i found running much more ben beneficial for my mental health um I was the type of person that I would always have to have music or a book or podcast on. And I hardly ever listen to music or podcast or anything when I'm running now. I'm just out there in the silence and present the whole time. You know, Robbie, that's so interesting. You say that because I was just talking to someone today that um, like, sometimes I turn on music and it, this sounds so stupid, but I might just put it on repeat, listen to the same song for eight hours and not even hear the song. It's just something going right. It's a distractor. But if I'm listening to like my whole playlist, I'm worried. Oh, like I hate that song. I'm double tapping to get to the next one. I'm not, I'm not out there enjoying what I'm doing, but I think the music puts me in a mind space to like, sometimes, especially when I start to, to like run or drive through that initial burn and pain and then I settle in and then it doesn't matter. But it, you've also touched on something like when, when kind of telling a little bit about your story. So my buddy, one of my buddies, that's a big mountain runner. Um, we were talking, he made a comment. He said, you know, most guys that go out and run in the mountains have some sort of 
traumatic past or some sort of addiction that they are trying to work through or overcome or escape. And that's always resonated with me when I see guys out in the mountains, like running, not just the daily, uh, you know, the weekend warrior hiker, but guys that are, are, are moving with a purpose. I, I, I always wonder now, like, what is it that drives them? Why are they here running in the mountains? And, and I, of course you can't, it's not, it's a blanket statement, but you can't include everyone under that blanket. But I, I think a lot of people are out there for some sort of understanding or um, escape redirection, whatever that might be. And I like how you said that you're running for a purpose now. And I find that I'm finally starting to transition into that, into that realm of, of being out there. Like when I did cloud peak, I took my headphones. I didn't put them in once. And it was so relaxing to not hear the music, to hear what was out there. And my wife, again, she's like, Ryan, just stop wearing your headphone and enjoy what you're doing out there. Um, and that, so I've started doing that and it's, it, it's a different reward, if you will. Like I come back like satiated in a different way. Like if, if that makes sense, you know, and um, it, I, I take something different from it. I, I've started to want to go with people instead of just escape people and be by myself. Now I'm like, Hey, let's go do this. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? And I don't care about the speed anymore. I don't care about like, let's, let's enjoy this together, you know? And yeah, just kind of, I, I appreciate what you said because I, I kind of feel like I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I'm, I'm still, I'm still on that journey too. So I think it's going to be a lifetime journey. Uh, yeah. I, um, absolutely. Right. Um, I, I was thinking about something the other day. I heard somebody talk about success and, and, uh, the, the question was posed like, what is success? Right. And I, I often wonder like, am I successful in what I'm doing? And, and we talk about careers, we talk about um, where you've been, like which mountain you've been on. And this guy said an interesting comment, right? And I don't know where I would take this, but he said, success is having adult children who want to come and still hang out with you. And it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like, what you, it's kind of a weird thing, right? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, but think about it. Like it, it, the older we get, it doesn't matter. Like the fancy car you drive or the big estate or whatever it might be. Those, those, those are irrelevant at some point in time in life and nobody cares. But when your kids don't want to come home for the holidays, you feel that. Right. Yeah. And uh, um, I don't know if you have kids, Robbie, but it's cool to be called dad, even at my age. Right. And my daughter was talking to one of her friends and, um, he had explained how his brother had died and he said, Hey, have you ever lost anybody close to you? And she said, yeah, my dad. And, uh, that kind of struck me hard, you know, um, it, you realize that other people are affected by the things that happen to you and the things that you do. Um, and, and when you hear your wife say, the kids ask me if it's safe to talk to you today, you know, um, that's a pretty hard thing to hear. And, uh, mm -hmm this experience like going through that I've gone through in this transition I've made from being unhealthy to healthy and how I've gotten here has really helped me see, see what's important and what's successful. My still, my kids still call me dad. They still want to come home and hang out. Right. I have a daughter in Jackson hole. 
um, living up there and she's home for the weekend. It's awesome. You know, and, and they want to hang out and go shoot guns and go fishing and all this, all the stuff. But so it, it's cool that they still want to do that. And they don't like running with me um, because I feel like they're slowing me down, but that's okay. We do other stuff. And so the whole healing part of it's good, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, Ryan, I felt I've, uh, I met a lifetime friend up on <sighs> Desert Peak. Yeah, <laughs> Desert too, Peak, man. excuse me. Um, yeah. uh, me too. We always, we always ask our guests two questions at the end of the podcast. And yeah. the first question is, um, is what kind of gear do you use when you go out on your little adventures? Okay. So we return that big adventures because yeah. your, your adventures are not little. <laughs> <laughs> um, like shoes, gear, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of a, a, like hodgepodge crayon box full of stuff. Right. But um, I wear ultimate direction backpack or running vest. Um, and I bought it because I got a good deal on it. No, no reason other than I got a good deal and uh, it works well. <clears throat> I wear um, for shoes. I, I found a pair of shoes that fit me really well. And so I stick with them. They're not running shoes. They're more of an approach shoe. It's the uh, La Sportiva TX3. And uh, it's been a good shoe for me because the toe box and the heel box fit really, really well for my foot. Since I've worn them for the last two years, I haven't had a single blister, not a single hot spot. So I'll keep wearing them. And the thing for me that's cool about them, I can run in them. They're not heavy. But when I get into some scramble stuff, I don't worry about slipping. Um, so I really like, I like the shoe. Um, I, I have black diamond. Um, uh, I can't remember the carbon. FLZ maybe poles. Um, they're fixed. Adjust, they're not the adjustable. They're just fixed. I run with either 115s or 120s, depending on what I'm going to do. Sometimes I'll use 115s if I'm going to go up something steep, because then I can feel like I get a bigger, bigger push on the way up. On the way down, it penalizes me because they're a little bit shorter mm-hmm. and I can't quite use them like I want to on the way down. So um, sometimes I'll switch to a 120 and just grip down, which is which, which is great. Um, Let's see. And then just whatever pair of shorts comes out of the, out of the closet. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever I got, but I've just, I've got just a couple of pair, like off-brand pair of running shorts and that I wear. Um, If I'm going on something longer, I've got um, an Osprey. I can't remember the name of the backpack, like a 30 liter backpack. I'll use it. I'm going to be gone for, you know, 25, 30 miles or something. And then, if I'm going on a long journey, like a week long deal where I might be camping, I've got like Gregory stuff, a Gregory pack that, it, that I really like. Um, it fits me well. I like their backpack, like their shoulder strap system. Um, takes a lot of pressure off, off my shoulders, and my traps. So that's, that's what I use. And, and if I find a hat that, that I want to wear, then I'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the second question we always ask is, you know, we're trying to grow, Justin and I are trying to grow our, no, a podcast podcast platform. Yeah. And we ask who's someone that you look up to or a mentor or someone that's helped you along the way that we should have on the podcast. Um, so let's see. I, a buddy of mine, Rob Boyden, he's the one he's my dentist. Right. And he was the one that I was going to pace on the Wasatch and he and I've talked a lot about this stuff, but he, um, four years ago told me, um, 
about the run a mile a day for the rest of his life thing. And he hadn't missed a day in 40 years. Mm. And then he got to this point where he realized maybe that wasn't the right thing. And he missed a day and it was okay. It was, it was okay. And I actually wanted to do the mile a day thing starting about three years ago. <clears throat> and um, I realized that I was doing it to be like Rob, not for myself. And I didn't do it, but I started this year for myself because it's what I chose to do. But Rob, um, he's got a little YouTube channel that he talks about like ADHD um, and, and some stuff. And he did something cool that I admire. He had set a goal to run the circumference of the earth, 29,000 miles, how many ever that, and he just finished it um, a week ago, week and a half ago. So it took him about 10 years. That's super so, cool. Yeah. Cool. I mean, like you look at those, you look 29,000 miles is a long, long way. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, some are treadmill miles in between patients at the office. Right. But it counts it's movement and uh way, way cool. And he, he, he finished where he started and uh, it was it, it, just kind of a cool story, but, he's the one that kind of clued me into to why a lot of guys run that we have trauma and that we need to work through some of this trauma. He's the one that's kind of inspired me the most really, I think to get out and just, just be, and just live and just do it, you know? So, and I, I, I would be more than happy to invite Rob if you guys want to talk to him and, and uh, on the podcast, I, I think he'd be happy to do it. Yeah. That, that sounds, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I want to hear about the 29,000 mile journey of, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And, and like Rob, I know he's done, um, I can't, somewhere up to 20 um, century runs, 100 milers. He's done um, like over 3,600 miles in a year. So you average 10 miles a day. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of time. But um, yeah, I, I bet he'd love to come on and tell a story. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, I'll get with you and we'll see if we can get that uh, set up. Yeah, for sure. We got to, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if you're ready to leave, but you know, what would be kind of fun, Robbie is like for me is to, um, so I'll tell you this and then and tell you why I say it. So to set up a, a run up to cloud peak or up somewhere up there like next year, and this is going to be dependent on whether I'm in school or not, but, um, cause I'm trying to get into PA school, <clears throat> but when we climbed bomber mountain, um, gosh, nine or 10 years ago, we, we ran into two guys who were coming the other way. And this one guy was just begrudgingly trudging along, just irritated. And the other guy was, he was a, a born again Christian. And every time he'd say something, he was thinking Jesus. I mean, it was just kind of cool, right? To see the contrast between these two guys. And we ran into him and we said, where are you going? And they said, we're going to Bomber Mountain. And we're like, oh, we're going to Bomber Mountain too. And he pulled out his map. He's like, you guys are going the wrong way. And they were following the county line. And they weren't even <laughs> close to Bomber. So oh, no. and, and anyway, we got up to Bomber and the one guy that was up there begrudgingly, he's like, ah, I got to get back to work. This is stupid. I can't believe I came up here for this. And the other guy was as grateful as could be. And so I got his info and I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, let's set up a, tr let's set up a run next year and go back up Bomber. That'd be kind of cool to just kind of reunite and, and do like an annual thing up there. And I never heard back from him. I was kind of, kind of bummed out really. But we got to set something up and go do that. Um, if yeah, it works out school and stuff, you know, or if you're down here, we go do yeah. something. Uh, it'd be a riot, you know, yeah. just like a reunite, uh, reuniting run or something. <laughs> Sounds good to me. 
yeah a random occurrence turns into a yearly party <laughs> right just wear an orange vest so i can always see you when you're out <laughs> <laughs> well ryan we'll uh give you a few minutes to shout out whoever you want and uh, if uh you know where people can find you on social media if they want to follow your adventures or whatever whoever you want to thank yeah, yeah no um yeah thanks to, like first of all thanks to you um robbie and justin for having me on it's uh, what a cool story like i still tell people about like this random guy that i met and i felt like he, <laughs> I'd, I'd become a friend in a way right and yeah. uh and uh but um shout out to boyden for his uh his push me along but really um that's where i'm at i don't do social media um it, it, i don't want to get caught up in trying to be that guy outposting somebody else because I find that would become my purpose. It's trying to randomly do better than somebody else. I have 18 or 19 followers on Strava and that's it. Um, and most people I know. And um, if, if I find I'm doing it for the wrong purpose, then it, it, it detracts from what I'm really after. And so I got rid of Facebook. Oh my gosh, 12 years ago, maybe longer. Um, had Instagram for a couple of couple of years because my daughter got me on there and I got rid of that because I always felt like I was trying to outpost somebody. And so um, I just decided that this is my thing and I'm doing it for me and not for not to try to to go there and, and be better than somebody else and get kudos. Kudos are great. It's cool. But um, that's not why I do it. I do it because it's what I want to do. It's who I want to be. Not. Um, not for somebody else. And, and the funny thing for me is like trying to challenge myself to beat what I did. So, um, you know, for instance, I went out and ran this pass out behind her house. I've wanted to do it in an hour. Finally did it in 52 minutes, um, just last week. And then my son goes out little turd and he runs it in 37, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> like, dad, you're so slow, but it was an accomplishment for me. And I just always wanted to, I, I, I do it, for, I do it for me. I don't do it for, for the social media stuff, but um, anyway, so yeah, but shout out to you guys for, for this podcast and, and like pushing this, this, this realm, this theater of, of what people do. Um, it's cool. It's not out there enough. So well, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Ryan, thanks for coming on. Once again, I, I felt like I've met a lifetime friend and, uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Yeah, for sure. Let's keep in touch. And and when you're down here, hit me up. We'll go do something. If I'm up there, let's do it, man. I'd love to run up there in South Dakota. Heck yeah. That sounds like a plan. All right, buddy. Thanks a ton. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good meeting you. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah.